Hello, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast you're listening to. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Let me put my window up because that's a lot of noise. I've got 27 minutes for this drive. And so here we go. I did not record last week because I came down with what I can only, only explain as the Ohio Plague which is uh, springtime in Ohio. If you have any type of allergies, you know what I'm talking about. I'm still kind of there, to be honest. I'm a little bit congested still, but I think I'll actually... Last week, you know how you get, like, you can't talk without uh, coughing and hacking? I didn't really want to put y'all through that, so... My son has had it. He's been coughing for over a week. My daughter is on and on. I mean, we're all just one just one tissue box away from (laughs) from losing it we've been going through tissues like crazy I'm about to buy stock and Kleenex to be honest because I'm like a major major contributor contributor to their uh, financial state at this point (coughs) I don't know we'll see how this goes what happens is I think I'm okay and then I start to talk and it all falls apart anyway it's May Hello, May 2nd, let's go. A couple things to update you on. On the last episode, this is kind of an update corner here. I recorded about religious freedom in the schools and about how I was concerned with the lack of consistency. And I mentioned that I planned on um, contacting the principal of the school and referencing the uh, policy manual to see if there was anything specific that I could kind of hang my hat on to have an explanation for the whole situation. If you haven't listened to the last episode, take a break, take a pause, go listen to it. Okay, you're back. All right, so I did call the principal, and here's kind of how the conversation went down. Now, I did uh, I did tell a little bit of a, a white lie, just, just a little. <laughs> I essentially said... Um, I said, my daughter is wanting to bring in invitations to her Easter's, our Easter service at our church. Obviously she'd already done it, but for the purpose of gathering information, it presented itself. I I felt like I was less on the defensive if I was versus calling in and saying, my daughter brought in invitations and she was told that she couldn't. Why not? Like. Let me just come at it real nonchalant and say, she wants to, what's the policy? So I explained to her exactly what was on the invitation card. And her response was, I don't know. I'm going to have to call the superintendent. I said, okay. And so she did. And she called me back very promptly. I appreciated that. And she said, the superintendent says no. <clears throat> I said, okay. Um... <clears throat> I'd like to be able to explain this to my daughter. So is there a specific reason? Is there a specific policy that I can point out to her? She's seven years old. She's a very concrete thinker. Is there something that I can, is there somewhere that I can direct her to say, this is the reason specifically why she cannot do that? And she said, the the principal said, I don't know. I'd have to call the superintendent back. And I said, okay, well, I don't, you know, want you to necessarily bother this man again with this question. And she said, I said, yeah, I just, you know, 
my daughter was really excited about handing out these invitations and it'd be nice if I had an explanation for her. And her response, you know, without consulting with the superintendent again was that essentially it came down to a, um, what they were calling a separation of church and state, which I'm not going to get into that real deep, but, um, it's not really a thing. And so it was a little bit, I just kind of left it at that. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to take it any farther than that. I didn't push the conversation any farther than that. Um, I think that my kids are, um, you know, I, I talk to my kids a lot about the world that we live in and the freedoms that we have. And so my kids are fully aware that the fact that we have the freedom to go to church and to read our Bibles freely and, and that that's not a freedom that's necessarily granted to people and Christians in other countries. And so I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to make a big hadoo about her not being able to hand out Easter service invitations at school because of what I felt like was, you know, anyway, let me not, let me not get political because that's not my style. However, I became even further frustrated when a few days later I was driving home um, from my cousin Leah's house. Hello, Leah. She's a listener and I appreciate that. She's an amazing woman. And I'd say like we talk not enough. Leah, call me. Okay. I want to know what's going on in your life. Um, but uh, she's the one. She's my cousin who this is the funniest story you'll ever hear today. <laughs> when I was a young teenager, like maybe 13, and she's, I want to say she's like maybe four years older than me, four, three or four. My parents went as counselors on a teen camp and I was still, I wasn't quite old enough to go. So I stayed with my grandma and Leah Uh, my cousin also was staying there. And so we were like thick as thieves. We ran around together. We had a blast. Well, we both had bikes. And so naturally my grandma worked at Walmart at the time. And so she'd pick up and go to work all day. Leah was, I thought we were just hanging out, but apparently she was charged with like babysitting me and making sure I didn't do anything stupid. We drove, we rode we didn't drive. We rode our bikes. So she wasn't driving yet. So she couldn't have been but 15, 16. Maybe she was 16 already. I don't know. But we drove our bikes to a McDonald's that is easily a 15 to 20 minute drive from my grandmother's home. So I don't know how long of a bike ride it took. The bigger issue was that the majority of that drive is on a state highway. <laughs> With no bike lane. Nope. No bike lane at all. And I'm going to tell you what. I've never been prouder of myself in my life. We rode that. It was terrifying. I remember being scared. But we just kept on. We got to that McDonald's. We had a little bit of money to get a Coke or something. It was so fun. We were so proud of ourselves. We used the pay phone. I remember using the pay phone. Obviously, none of it. We didn't have cell phones. Like, what would have happened? What would have happened if we got slammed by a semi on Route 4? Oh, my gosh. 
this is the 90s, people. Okay? This is the 90s. Just do what you want to do and, and hope for the best. <laughs> That's like the, the logo of the 90s. Um, we call my grandma from the payphone at the McDonald's. We're like, guess what we did? We're so happy. Look what we did. We're so proud of ourselves. We came all the way, drove off bikes all the way to McDonald's. Yes. Uh, she, she was furious. <laughs> and I was so confused. How come she's not proud of us? Why is she so mad? Look what we did. We rode our bikes down this big highway all the way to McDonald's. We're getting a snack. Come on, Grandma. Get with it. It was terrible. It was a poor choice. I mean, I'm willing to acknowledge that now as an adult. But that's Leah. That's the, that's my cousin Leah. She basically um, put my life in danger on a regular basis. I also got in a major uh, bike accident with her once. Thankfully, I didn't break any bones. But it was fun. I never knew. I never knew that we were doing anything dangerous. I was having a blast. Anyway, so I was leaving Leah's house. We've been coloring Easter eggs with the kids. And I come up on this intersection in my town, and there is this giant red banner posted on the corner of a major intersection in my town. I have since then um, seen the same banner posted at a major, major intersection in the adjoining town. So our school system is technically the combination of two towns. Um and so this sign is hanging in both towns, major intersections, giant red banner, advertising a national day of prayer service at our local high school. And so when I saw that, I literally turned onto the road and I was like, did that say what I think it said? And I turned around and I looked and I, I just was shocked. And I took a picture of it. And I actually posted it. If you're on my personal Facebook page, I posted it along with the information about the last episode because for me, it just, um, it just really kind of solidified my concern in that our children are not being given a consistent message when it comes to religious freedom. Hold on a second. I just came up on a garage sale. I'll be right back. You'd be so proud of me. I didn't buy anything. Um, anyway, so uh, that's that. That's all I'm going to say about that. That sign just kind of solidified for me that my confusion is warranted (laughs) when it comes to, you know, how can our high school host a national day of prayer service, but because of a supposed separation of church and state, rule my daughter can't hand out invitations to her church's easter celebration okay you get my point i'm i'm beating a dead horse again i don't, i hate that saying it's terrible <laughs> um anyway so moving forward um here's something that's going on that i wanted to mention that i think is Um, I just wanted to give this idea, and I know a lot of people do this, like this isn't a new idea, this isn't a new concept. Weight Watchers was founded on this concept of accountability and of check-ins and of community and things like that when it comes to weight loss. I'm still overweight, don't worry, we're still on that journey, 
But um, essentially last week, I was getting really frustrated and I just knew that I was kind of sneaking around on myself. Like I was sneaking candy and I was sneaking, you know, just junk and I wasn't really being consistent with it. And I had a goal for the month and I knew I wasn't going to meet it. And so I was just kind of like, forget it. Like I'm just going to slam this Easter candy and then maybe start over in May, which is a terrible mentality to have because it's like then any little bit of progress that you've maybe made is out the door and you've lost a whole month. So anyway, I had two friends at church who are also foster and adoptive moms. And I had the, the two of the three of us had at one point earlier in the year had a conversation about how difficult, you know, it was to try to be consistent with eating and losing weight and that, um, you know, we'd all tried different things and, Um, They're beautiful, amazing women and wonderful. But because we had had that conversation, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to see what they, if they want to do this. And so I text both of them and I said, I'm not telling you or saying that either one of you need to lose weight if you don't want to. But I know for me, I do. I want to be healthier for my kids. I've talked about this before. I mean, my youngest son is one years old. I've got 17 at least more years of parenting and I have no intentions of stopping fostering. And so the reality is that I could be parenting for a lot more years than 17, but, and I want to be healthy doing that. And I want to be strong and I want to be able to be active and participate with my kids and their activities. And so I know that staying healthy and being active and being healthy is important. Anyway, so I text both of them and I said, listen, do y'all have any interest in like essentially an accountability group between the three of us? Maybe eventually we'll get together and meet, but I am fine with like just doing a text interaction every day. Just basically, I need a voice in my head to help me to not sabotage myself when I get frustrated, when I get sad, when I get overwhelmed And I'm telling you what, like, just having these two women in my life encouraging me and we're encouraging each other, we're texting every day, we're, you know, we're, we're speaking truth to each other. Like, you are not a failure just because you had a rough day and, um, you know, you still have lost. Like, my number went up this morning and to have this friend of mine say to me, you still have lost two and a half pounds this week. Like, don't beat yourself up about it, you know. And I would. Like, I would look at that number this morning and be like, well, this sucks. I worked really hard all day yesterday to stay on track and my number went up. Forget it. I'm going to eat what I want today. Like, that would be my mentality, which is ridiculous. But having this accountability, having these women that I can um, communicate with every day has been so, so helpful. So I would just encourage you, if you're trying to make healthier choices and be healthier for your family, for yourself, reach out to some friends of yours. It's kind of a touchy because you don't want to be like, hey, I kind of noticed you're fat. Uh, (laughs) Hey, I noticed you're overweight. You want to help me out with this? (laughs) I mean, it's a little touchy, but I think you can go about it. Like, you know, we had it was easier for me because we had had that conversation before, but I think you can even go about it and be like, look, I'm trying to make healthier choices and I know that accountability helps me. Do you have any interest in kind of being my accountability partner when it comes to 
you know, just checking in with each other. I think, you know, I'm a single parent. And so I don't have another adult in my house that's monitoring what I'm doing. My 12 year old tries to act like he wants to. <laughs> and you know what? He, he, he does a really, really good job because he cares about me. And he low. what is that? Why is that tiny little bus parked in this? I don't, okay. I'm sorry. I got distracted. Um, you know, and what he said to me one day last week, and that was one of the things that really got me motivated. I was eating some Easter candy like earlier in the week before I started talking with these ladies and trying to be more strict and more focused and stuff. As he said, um, he was like, you know, you are constantly trying to teach me about being disciplined and about making good choices. And he was like, I just don't see you doing that. And it, I was like, you're disrespectful. <laughs> you know, like, I wanted to be mad and I wanted to punish him for talking to me, but he's getting to where he's old enough to have some grace when it comes to speaking truth to me in that way. And he sees the choices that I make and then he hears my words. And so when those choices and my words to him don't line up, it's confusing to him. And I get that. And I don't want that to be the case. And so anyway, um, by not having another adult, like at night sitting there with me saying, uh, you probably shouldn't do that. Like I'm alone. You know, I don't have anybody to call me out after my kids go to bed or to monitor what I'm eating. So it's a lot of sneaking around. It became that, but having these women that I can text at nine o'clock at night and say, please remind me while I'm doing, why I'm doing this because I really want to eat a giant bowl of cinnamon toast crunch right now. (laughs) Um, you know, we're on the weekend, you know, when it's hectic and it's exhausting and it's stressful and two toddlers. Okay. Just two toddlers. If you know what I'm talking about, you know, it's really helpful to be able to text them and say, I'm so tired. I, all I want to do is sit down and eat everything and them to just be like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to, you know, you're going to cancel out all your progress. You're going to be frustrated with yourself. So anyway, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I would just encourage you, if you are someone who, you know, who could be, if you think you could be successful or you're having a hard time being successful, meeting your goals. And really this is applicable to any goal. It's not, it doesn't just have to be about weight loss or, you know, it could be about like, maybe you want to consistently exercise. Maybe you want to be somebody who consistently runs every day, or you want to be someone who consistently drinks enough water. Like it could be about anything. Um, and I think having accountability is really, really critical. And I I don't know, for me, it really has helped a lot. I knew that it would help. I've had accountability before in this area. And so I'm just really glad that it's working out. I'd encourage you to give it a try. Side note, I know I said that I had 27 minutes, but I'm definitely going to go over 30 minutes today. And you know what? Here's the way I see it. I didn't record last week, so technically I have 60. Look, I don't make the rules. That's just the way it is. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to go to 60, but I am going to go over a little bit because I do, before I get into today's topic, I do also want to mention that because it is May, it is also National 
Foster Care Awareness Month, which is really exciting. If you um, want to get some more information about foster care and my journey, I actually started recording this podcast in May of last year. And so I did a, I don't even know, five, four or five part series about different aspects of foster care. And so if you want to go back a year ago and listen to those, um, the quality is the same. So don't be expecting like, oh my gosh, a year ago it was this. No, it's the same. I was recording on a phone last year, the same as I am now. So nothing's changed as far as that goes. But I wanted to say on Instagram, I have st- I'm doing a um, daily prompt by uh, another foster mom that's on Instagram, the temporary mom can follow her and um, I'll be posting daily um, following these prompts that she's created that are really nice just to bring awareness to foster care um, and adoption and just try to um, you know try to shed the light on the need and I said yesterday in my post that I've mentioned this before I heard one time that there's over there's a billion active Instagram account accounts and so if Speaking up about foster care and adoption would chisel away at just one person's heart and get them one step closer to even considering becoming foster parents or considering adoption, then that's a win for me. I had a, um, another foster mom that I've connected with on Instagram who posted yesterday that <clears throat> she is in Arizona And in Arizona, in the county where she was at, they had sent out basically an emergency request because I think she said 20. I want to say 20. There were 20 children. They actually have a place. They've had to create a placement center, like a hotel for kids, basically, because the need is so great and the homes are so limited that there are children that are having to sleep in buildings overnight for who knows how many nights because there are no placements for them. How sad. And I don't mean like juvenile delinquent teenagers. They need homes too. 100. But she was talking about like babies, like newborns coming out of the hospital and going into a building instead of with a family. I cannot, like I want to move to Arizona and take them all. It's so sad. But, um, Yeah, I mean, that's just the reality. There's a lot of kids and there's not enough homes. And so I'll say it here. I'm saying it on every platform that I have. If you have ever considered or thought about it or have even an inclination, please don't write yourself off because of this excuse or this excuse or this not excuse that sounds negative this reason or this reason oh there's another garage sale this is really bad and I I always forget about this every year but when I'm out in the community and I see garage sale signs it is so hard for me not to I stopped at that one there because I didn't have to detour off my route that's kind of my rule I'll stop as long as I don't have to detour off of the route that I'm on (laughs) Because I can literally walk in and out of it quick. So it's not like it takes me much time. Anyway, I have a problem. I'm aware. Um, But yeah, if you've had any inclination or any questions or anything in your heart to even consider fostering, please talk to me. Track me down. Text me. Call me. um, Find me on Instagram. It's .me.sam.podcast or send me an email. 
at the same at gmail.com. And uh, I want to talk to you. I want you, I, I, like I said, don't hang your hat and say, well, my kids are too young. It'd be too hard on them. Listen, my kids have thrived on having Max and Mia in the home. If anything, it has been one of the most educational and eye-opening experiences for them that they have ever had. There is no way in any other circumstance that they would have learned about poverty, about uh, substance abuse. (laughs) You know, and do I want my six-year-old, my five-year-old to know about methamphetamines? I mean, not necessarily. However, (laughs) she witnessed it firsthand and she witnessed the effects on a family of those types of choices you know, my children have witnessed sacrifice and compassion. They've made sacrifices. They've had to give up a life that could have been with just them and me. We could be traveling. We could be doing a lot of things that we're not doing because of, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to sound like a, I'm a martyr. My kids are a martyr or we're, we're so wonder. No, like we, I made this choice and they got on board and they made this choice and it has been so good for them and so such a good good learning experience and in in the, the at the end of the day they got a brother and sister that they love unconditionally as if I had birthed them right in the hospital um, and so I, I'm just I just anyway that's just one thing I've heard you know my kids are too young I don't want my kids to be exposed oh it'd be too hard. Look, you can do it, and there's um, there's explanation, and there's there's information that's available for any reason that you have that you can't do it. And so, pray and seek God, and 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 if it's something that you believe that God's leading your family into, I would love to talk to you. I've said it a hundred times. Okay, talk to me. All right, bye. I'm just kidding. I'm still here. <laughs> um, and if it's you know what, if, if it's not. If it's not your time, if it's not right, if you don't, if you really, really are confident and say, you know what, God, God has not, this is not what God has for me. This is not foster care. I feel the burden. I feel the need, but I just know that bringing children into my home is not the right thing for me. Reach out and find out ways that you can help foster families in your community. They need help listen, I need help. Call me. Okay. (laughs) They need help. They need you. They need your support. They need to know that you're there for them. I just this morning was texting with a friend of mine from church. who's going to provide a meal for one of the foster families in our church next week because, and this is just a reality and this seems something like something so simple and kind of silly, but when, um, when scheduling visits with caseworkers, a lot of times you're trying to schedule at a time that kids are going to be home from school. Why do I feel like I'm driving in circles right now? What is this map doing? Oh my gosh. So th- the reality is she has a visit scheduled at 5 p.m. with two caseworkers, the caseworker from her county and the caseworker from her licensing agency. And so do you know how difficult it is to um, have caseworkers in your home at dinner time 
and try to participate with the caseworkers, but also manage children who are starving. It's, it's a struggle. I know for myself, there were so many times that I would get home at like 4.30. I'd have a caseworker at my door at 5 o'clock. And then they would leave at 6 or 6.30. And then my kids are hangry. And I'm trying to throw together some dinner. So this friend of mine from church is going to provide a dinner to that family on that one night. And that, I can't even explain to you how that just relieves so much stress and anxiety off of that family. I've had that happen for myself as well where, you know, part of my community and the people who have helped me have provided meals. My parents, my um, my kids' grandparents that are part of my church. Anyway, there are things you can do to help and it, it will mean the world um, to foster families that you, that you know if you offered um, to help them or to maybe even just, just, just do it. Just reach out and, and do what you can do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop with that one. I'm almost to my first patient's house, so I might have to pick this up. I will have to pick this up when I'm done. But um, my topic today, I actually did record last week. Spoiler. (laughs) However, I don't know why, but I had an attitude. And I didn't like the way that I sounded. I kind of came across a, a wee bit judgmental. And then after the fact, I ended up seeing, it was kind of like a confirmation that I did not need to post. I'm going to do the same topic, but I did not need to post that particular episode because then after the fact, I saw quite a few of my friends, acquaintances who posted on social media that they were participating in the activity that I had um, essentially judged. (laughs) I'm going to explain. So this week I want to talk about how my unpopular opinion is that I am not a fan of Target. I Now, I'm not a fan of the concept of Target. Outside of that, I do also hate Target. <laughs> I hate Target because every time I go there, like I feel like I kind of like, I'm like, okay, gosh, there's nowhere else really close for me to go. I'm going to go to Target. I can never find anything. I can never find what I want. I can never find my kids' sizes. I can never, yeah. So that's like separate for why I hate Target. But this episode is about why I hate the concept of Target and I'm going to roll into it why I hate wine and the concept that's come along with wine. All right, I'll be back. Okay, what was I saying? I hate Target and I hate wine. Yes, here we go. (laughs) I'm going to make a lot of people mad, probably. But here's where I'm coming from. Like I mentioned, I actually do, like, really, really hate, like, I don't like Target as a store. But my, my, the concept that I'm trying to convey is that I hate the idea of Target. And I'm going to roll into that, the idea of wine when it comes to this magical thing that I, as a parent, have to use to escape from my children and my responsibilities. I, I think the reason why... Now, I, let me just say this about wine in, in general, just to be clear. I don't hate wine. I drink wine. It's not my go-to. I'm more of a liquor girl. I know everyone's really shocked. <laughs> but... Um, 
what I hate is is the same thing as it's kind. I kind of see them as the same thing. Is this mentality of wine thirty? Mommy needs a wine break. Send the wine balance. I don't. That's I made that one up. You know because I've walked in the door from work. Or I've been home with my children all day and now it's five o'clock and my husband's home. And so now the only way that I'm going to cope with the rest of the evening is to numb out and drink through a, a couple glasses of wine. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm 100% going to just be admit that even, just last night I was cooking dinner. My kids are loud driving me crazy as usual and so I also drink beer that's kind of usually my go-to you know I I drank a beer I had a beer while I was cooking dinner now is that a like every night I'm not I want to just be clear because like I said I recorded this once and I felt like I came across super judgmental and I don't want that to be the case the reason why this bothers me and this is what I'm going to get to I'm just going to like take for take it for what you whatever you want to take it because the more I explain it the more judgmental I sound so you know what I'm saying I hope so let me explain why I feel this way and that will hopefully cut cut out the judgment part of it I feel this way because it's frustrating for me that as women there is this whole mentality of women are strong, women can do anything, women are capable, women are able to, to, to uh, manage in society right alongside of men and do all of these wonderful things. And we do, we do amazing, wonderful things in our world. So then why is it that if that's our mentality and, and let somebody challenge that, let somebody tell a woman that they can't do the same thing that a, that a man can do or that they're not capable or that they're weak or that they're the weaker sex or that they're not, um, they're emotional or they're whatever it would be. Let, let, let somebody make that comment and see how quickly it blows up. So why is it then that in our society where we boast as women of how strong and how capable we are, do we also frequently post on social media and frequently talk about, I don't really watch daytime TV, but I'll catch it here and there and you'll see it in a lot of sitcoms too, this idea of I can't manage my children and I can't manage my home and my husband and my family unless I'm slamming wine as soon as I come in the door. That is, that is not, it's not right. It's not what we are. It's not what women are. It's a crutch and it's, it's not, it's not something that I, like I said, it's unpopular opinion because I know there's this whole like mommy needs wine or mommy needs to escape to target. This is my happy place. This is the place that I go to get away from my family and from, and to have my alone time. I want to say as a, another side note is that just, even though I'm, I'm not really in a position to be able to, to do this in the way that maybe other people are, is that I am a huge supporter of self-care and so if self-care for you is that you go once a week and roam around Target and throw random things in your cart and spend $300, that's what always happens to me. I don't know what other people do. The few times a year that I go to Target, it's like a guarantee, 300 bucks out the door. Um, 
then okay. Okay, that's your thing. It's not my thing. But what I think that the problem that, that I have with it is that I need it. I need to, I need to be at Target so I can get away from my family or whatever your store is. It doesn't have to be Target. You know, I need to drink this wine so that I can numb myself and manage the rest of the evening with my family. Come on, ladies. Y'all, we're better than that. I'm going to say to myself, to y'all, we're better than that. And we can do it. And if we need anything, we need to believe and we need to know who we are and who God created us to be. God created you to be a woman that is able and capable with his help, with his grace, with his guidance to manage your home without depending on wine or beer or whatever substance or TV, smutty TV or romance novels or whatever your crutch is, whatever the thing is that you go to to cope with your life, you don't need those things. God's given you everything that you need in yourself and and in him. And so looking to target or looking to want, it's never going to be fulfilling. It's never going to be enough. And this is what I want to mention too, is that full disclosure, this is going to get hairy. Hopefully I don't catch a case, but I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with this. When my daughter was about one years old, I never drank in college. I went to a Christian college for my first two years. And so even though there was plenty of alcohol on campus, I never participated. I drank a little bit in high school, but I also knew even from the very few times that I did drink, I knew that I had a problem with alcohol. I knew because I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I knew that I, when I started drinking, I wanted to drink a lot of it. I I liked the feeling of numbing out. I liked the feeling of checking out. And and I have a a long history, uh, a couple generations back, of alcohol abuse, of of alcoholics in my family. And so genetics, be what they are, I don't know. But I knew that I had a problem. And so I never really wanted to even dip my toe into that in college. I went two and a half years to a state school. And even there, I really didn't... Uh, have like major binge parties. You know, I didn't really do much drinking then. When I did start drinking was after my first year of marriage to my second husband. And he, um, when he and I got married, he admitted, he didn't admit. I found out that he had had um, quite a extensive history with alcohol abuse and had some legal criminal run-ins. And so when we got married, I shared with him that that's not something I wanted in my home. That's not something I wanted my children exposed to. And he assured me that it wasn't anything that he was currently, you know, even engaging in, which turned out to not be the case. (laughs) Um, and so within just a few months of our marriage, he, um, he had an incident of, of being intoxicated, and and so then I I, I kind of clued in to the fact that this isn't this is in fact an issue. We moved to a different home, and and still even during that time, every once in a while I would drink a little bit of wine with dinner, but still felt this really strong um, feeling of. I know that I can, I know that this can, this can become an issue. And so I don't even want to, I don't even want to deal with it. I don't even, I don't have any self-control and I know that. And I, and I was willing to um, acknowledge that. 
So fast forward a year or about a year and a half into our marriage and my daughter is, well, more than that, two years to, my daughter was about a year old and he at that point was drinking every single night. And so for me, I felt like he's checking out every night. I might as well check out every night. It gave me an escape from him because I would um, sit outside and I would drink and I would not be around him essentially is what it came down to to avoid arguing and to avoid having what always became very ugly and very aggressive interactions whenever he was intoxicated and so what I found was as I was drinking a little bit and then a little bit more and then a little bit more is that I realized at one point, I'm really, this is true. Like what I thought about myself, I have proved to be true. I can quickly have a problem with alcohol that is going to affect my family and affect my children. And hear how hypocritical of me to have an issue with my husband who is drinking every night to the point of essentially passing out drunk. And yet I'm justifying and I'm doing the same thing. Now I, I wasn't passed out drunk or I don't want to justify it because it really doesn't matter. The point is that I'm trying to say is that I really, really encourage you if you're someone listening and you have found yourself turning to alcohol in the evenings to cope with whatever your circumstances are is just know that your body is biologically programmed to build up a resistance to the amount of alcohol that you need to accomplish the same goals that you had where one glass of wine used to get you to that point and and it, it eventually it won't and so eventually it'll be two it'll be three it'll be a whole bottle you know I missed an Easter service because I was so hung over and sick from drinking too much the night before Uh, there were times where I was vomiting in the morning as I was trying to get my children ready for school because I would have drank, I had drank too much the night before. And this is coming from someone who is in, at that point in my thirties and parenting essentially on my own because my husband was also intoxicated every evening. This is what I'm saying. <clears throat> this is why I feel so passionately about this is because I, I caught, I, I was, I was that person. I was that woman who was not, was not depending on God, was not turning to God, was not depending on what I knew about who I was and who God had created me to be. What I was depending on was something, a substance that could help me to check out every evening. And, and honestly, I kind of looked at it as like a reward. Like, I've made it through this day. I've parented my children on my own. I've taken them to all of their activities. I've given them their baths. I've fed them their dinner. They're in bed. They're safe and sound. And now I'm going to reward myself by drinking alcohol and, and checking out for the rest of the evening so I don't have to face the conflicts that I have with my husband. I don't have to deal with him or have any arguments with him. So I'm going to sit on my porch and I'm going to drink and then I'm going to carry it and then I'm going to go to bed. But like I said, that is a, a very, it became for me a very slippery slope of this is something I'm developing an addiction to alcohol. I'm developing a dependence on alcohol to be able to cope with my life. And 
you know, I share that because I want, I want anyone that's listening to hear that it, it can happen. It can happen to anyone. It can happen to any woman. And, and, and I, I just, I, I guess my encouragement to you is if you find yourself in this position or if you find yourself, uh, you know, taken off every time your husband walks in the door and trying to escape your family because you, you can't manage or you can't cope. Listen, I get it. It is, it's so hard. I work all day and sometimes I'm like, I kind of wonder if maybe if I threw my sitter a hundred, if she'd keep my kids for the evening. <laughs> like it is so hard. I get it to work all day and then, and then work all night basically is what it comes down to when you're parenting. It's so hard to be a stay at home mom and be with your kids all day long and then all evening. And if you have a husband and he walks in the door, I understand wanting to be able to check out and run out of there and run to Target or the Dollar General or wherever you go, you know, or, or getting a glass, big glass of wine and checking out and relaxing. I understand that. And I totally, totally, I get it. I, I feel it. I know. What I'm saying today is if it, if you can, if you, in the moment, if you can take the time and just speak truth to your heart about who you are, the woman that you are, the man that you are, if this is, if I have any male listeners, the woman that you are, the man that you are, speak truth to your heart about who God created you to be, about the season of your life that God has called you to, about the greatness and the power and the wonder of God and the fact that there is nothing that you're involved in in your life right now that he cannot carry you through and he that he cannot help you to manage without depending on other things in your life. Um, for me, this looks like not drinking like I was ever again. Um, it looks like breaking that habit of putting my kids to bed, doing my work and sitting outside because it became a habit and it became something that I fell into on an everyday basis. I'd be out in the winter. It was just, it was a, it was a safe place for me to sit outside and to be away. It almost felt like going to Target. I didn't have the option to go to Target. So I just went to my back porch. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think I've said enough about it. I hope you hear my heart. I I feel like I'm, like I said, I'm really trying not to communicate any judgment when it comes to this topic, but I do hate those mentalities. I do hate this idea of we are women, hear us roar, but also I need a glass of wine to manage my family. It it, it can't be both. It's got to be one or the other. Either we are women hear us roar, look at our God and how he can help us to get through our, our daily struggle of marriage and parenting and t-ball games and softball and track meets and toddlers and teething and fevers and puking. He can get us through those things without us depending on anything else. Well, we have to believe that. We have to depend on that. We have to know that he can and he will. Um, and so I don't, I don't agree with this mentality of women being weak and needing to depend, needing to depend on these things. I think the thing that I hate, I hate more than anything is these memes and these posts on Instagram to where it's like a joke. It's not a joke. It's not a joke to, to communicate. For me, I don't like to see women who I know are strong and capable 
essentially communicating to the world that they're weak. Why would... No, don't do that. You're not weak. You're a strong woman and God's called you to where you're at and he'll give you the strength to continue to manage what you're doing. I just got loud. I'm sorry. (laughs) I feel passionate. All right. Tell me what you think. Maybe it, maybe my opinion is stupid. I don't, I don't know. This is where I'm at. It's my unpopular opinion. I'm passing it on to you. Give me some feedback. Catch up with me on email. Uh, I'll be back next week. I've got all kinds of unpopular opinions. And so I'll be sharing those with you. Um, you can email me at its.me.sam at gmail.com. Or you can catch up with me on Instagram at the same handle. Like I said, keep up with my Instagram if you're following me there to um, learn more about foster care and adoption this month. And I'm about to get annoying because that's all I'm going to be talking about on all my social media. So saddle up. Uh, Here we go for the month of May. Like I said, it's Foster Care Awareness Month. And so about to blast y'all with all kinds of information. I just did right when I um, was recording this, got a message from somebody. So let's go. Let's get more kids in homes. Let's get more homes licensed and let's make it happen. I love y'all so much. I hope you hear that. And I'm so grateful for this platform to be able to communicate what I think and how I believe and um, it might be wrong I'm, I'm fully willing to acknowledge that I might be wrong and I'm in a lot of things I'm sure I am wrong on but that's where I'm at uh, catch up with me if you disagree and let's talk about it all right have a great day I'll talk to you the next time bye